love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, I don't know if you can see what I'm doing right now, but I'm practicing for what I'm doing next week. Are you rowing a boat? <laughs> that doesn't look like you're racing in the <laughs> 70.3 World Championship, which is also happening. So I'm going to go with rowing a boat. Is that correct? Are we are we Ding, 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 ding. Three masters. <laughs> champions maybe not triathlon world champions but we can we can hold our own in charades where are you rowing a boat so i am headed to the boundary waters in minnesota um it's a national park and it is supposed to be a beautiful area of our country to explore um and last month they actually had quite a bit of like forest fires going on and um had actually closed the entire boundary waters canoe area which is where i would be going and it was i was like oh no because this trip had been planned i think we would start planning it back in january and um but the good news is they did get a lot of rain the fires uh were brought kind of into containment to a point where people can go back there's good air quality again and we we just can't have campfires at night but um which is okay we'll just sit and look at the stars without the campfire and the smoke because like everything smells like smoke with campfires anyway so who really needs those right but but yes so we are recording this a little bit earlier than we usually do for our weekly podcast and that is because i am headed to go off the grid a little bit in the boundary waters canoe area and i'm i'm really excited as you can see by my fake canoeing because i watched some youtube videos about how to steer canoes how to paddle the right way it's more complicated than i thought i will say but youtube you can learn a lot on youtube i've learned um, I think the most useful one I've learned is how to fold a fitted sheet. I'm like, I learned that from YouTube and I'm very good at it now. And I feel like that's a good skill to have. So I hope your canoeing comes in just as handy. Yes. I'm well, and part of the quote vacation is portaging your canoe. And so you paddle and then you, there's like tons of lakes around like tons and tons and tons of lakes and you have your route to where you're going. And then you have to portage between the lakes. And that basically means portage is like the fancy word for, carry your canoe and all of your crap um to the next lake and so like learning how to throw a canoe over your head and carry it i think is going to be a skill that is going to take some practice so um i don't know we'll see how it goes but i'm looking forward to some time kind of off the grid paddling around it's probably really clear water i am bringing a cap and goggles so i don't know we'll see Oh, well, I am, uh, I'm excited this week. I don't have anything quite as exciting as canoeing, but, um, I'm very thrilled about the 70.3 world championships to follow them. I'm not racing. I, I had qualified it when I raced in St. George earlier this year, took the slot, but then once I qualified for Kona, I actually officially like withdrew from 70.3 worlds because there was only three weeks before or between the two races and, Knowing me and where I am in my athletic career, I really just wanted to focus on Kona. Of course, Kona is not happening. So now I'm a spectator from afar. I won't be traveling to St. George, but I'll be spectating from afar. I actually have something kind of fun. I'm um, picking up my new 
my Kona bike, my new bike. It was for Kona, but uh, it'll be for Kona hopefully 2022 in uh, February. Um, fingers crossed that happens, but I'm headed to Portland to pick that up and really excited about that. So uh, hopefully I'll have some good photos for everyone and good, I don't know, good stories about next week. But, um, you know, it's kind of nice, I guess, like to have a little bit more space between uh, to try it out before race day. But there's your like little glimpse into pro pro life where it's like, oh, new bike four weeks before the race, if the race had happened on the date, but, uh, sometimes that's what you have to do, but hopefully it'll be, everything will go smooth with that. Getting a new bike these days is, is not easy bike parts. And I'm sure that's something all of our listeners know as well. So, um, it does not, I mean, maybe, maybe if you're certain people, you can get stuff, but it's hard. So I'm thrilled to have this. Hopefully everything goes smooth and, um, I will be ready to go in February, but I am ready to online spectate. And I'm excited for this week's episode because we talked to Emily Cox, our, expert um about how we think the 70.3 worlds women's race could play out because even without me racing <laughs> there's still a lot of a lot of exciting people to follow yes and there's some some new like prize money payouts this year just a really good deep field we talk about who who we do a lot of speculation uh because you know things always kind of change leading up to race day so it's super fun um conversation that we had with emily on that but Haley, first we do have some some housekeeping items to go through um first the outspoken awards are coming up this november and you can attend virtually and sign up for that at outspokensummit.com. And in the meantime here, also before September 30th, I believe, um, you can nominate people for the Outspoken Summit Awards, which is are always super popular. They're a lot of fun. Head to outspokensummit.com and put in your nominations for those categories. Um, that's definitely one of the highlights of the year. So uh, make sure you, you get on that. Alyssa, have you done any nominations yet? Have you done this? Not yet. It is on my to-do list though. And so as the days tick by and September 30th gets closer and closer, um, you know, I'm just doing more thinking about all of my, my nominations that I'm going to give. You're like, you're like drafting your, your like little summaries. It's actually not that hard to nominate people. You know, it just, it does help to put in a few words about why you're nominating them. And it, it there's a lot of different categories, athlete of the year, race director of the year, um, outspoken woman of the year. I think there's some media awards, coach of the year. Um, I mean, if there's a special woman in your triathlon life, she probably, um, fits into one of these categories or multiple categories. And so definitely head to outspokensummit.com and fill out those uh, nominations because if you don't nominate her, she can't win. You know, you have to be nominated to win. So, um, put it on your to-do list, just like Alyssa and get that done before September 30th. And Haley, we also are, as always, able to continue this amazing podcast through the help of the companies that we love who support us. And Orca Sportswear is one of those companies. Uh, you can get 15% off of the Orca wetsuits, other fun accessories like the swim buoy, the swim buoy that has the hydration bladder in it, the poncho towel, all of these things um, at orca.com. Use the code IRONWOMEN15 to get that discount. And Alyssa, I, I'm back in Montana now, but when I was at the beach a few, a few weeks ago, I was really wishing I had one of those, like, uh, the swim buoy that you can attach to yourself. And actually I did do an open water swim here in Montana when our pool was closed a few weeks ago. And I, it was my first time that I'd gone to the lake, like without someone who could like watch my bag, you know, and I think that the orca buoy does include like a dry pack. So you could put like your 
you know, your car keys in it. And so then you're not quite as worried about leaving them on shore if you are by yourself. Plus you have that very visible buoy to keep you a little bit more visible, a little bit, um, you know, safer in the water, which, you know, I'm a big on safety. So definitely worth it. Um, and if anyone has a swim run race coming up, I mean, that was like last year, that was our big thing where we got tried out their Orca's swim run wetsuits and they make a really good line of them. And I think there are some of those swim run races happening this fall in uh, the Northwest, one in North Carolina. So if you are thinking about it, head to um, orca.com, use that code ironwomen15 and get 15% off. And Haley, our mailbag today is empty. Um, so everyone, you can send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we will start going through those again in the coming weeks. But don't worry, we still have a really exciting episode. As uh, we told you, we have retired professional triathlete and our friend Emily Cox back. Emily is the former co-host of the Triathlon Preview Show. So we bring her on as our podcast triathlon racing expert. And she currently is coaching with Tower 26. She's living in Bend and doing all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so it's always really fun to catch up with Emily. We, as we said, did pre-record this. So we used the most up-to-date information we could get. Obviously, things always change leading into race day, but we did our best. So we also give our picks with this, which is always really fun. You can listen for those. Um, but we definitely, we go through it all here with Emily. And so you can hear that chat next. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer. And I am always carrying noon instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the Big Island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LIVEFEISTY for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LIVEFEISTY, capital L and capital F. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We, we love having you back as our expert on all things professional women's triathlon. And today we're very excited to talk about the 70.3 world championships because they're happening this weekend in St. George, Utah. And this will be our first 
Ironman branded world championship race in nearly two years. So initially this race was scheduled. It was going to be just three weeks before the Ironman world championships in Kona, but that race, the Ironman world championships in Kona has been postponed until February. So do you think these 70.3 championships with them being, you know, a relatively isolated racing opportunity, do you think that's going to impact how the competition plays out compared to prior years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's weird because everyone was getting prepared for Kona and like, sure, people that were racing 70.3 or some people weren't racing 70.3 and now Kona's off the table. So this is like the one world championship happening this year. But then, then at the same time, you have people who I feel like aren't going to do it because maybe they've decided, oh, I'll do a fall Ironman and like secure my qualification for October 2022. So if there's a February Kona and an October Kona, they don't have to do another Ironman in between that. And then if the February Kona gets pushed to the October one, then they're secured for October 2023. I don't know. My head hurts thinking about all that. But like, I think people are just making different decisions just based on where they are. I mean, even like coming from Europe, it might be not so quote unquote worth the trip. So it's it's an odd mix of, you know, where people are. I mean, some of the Australians aren't coming. Um, it's, it's just a weird year. And I feel it's been a weird two years. I mean, I think the last time we talked was before Nice in 2019. And it feels like that was just yesterday, but also like it was so long ago. I didn't think about people kind of thinking it through like that, trying to secure a Kona qualification for the next round. But there are some pretty good full opportunities happening in Europe through the fall. So, um, you know, North America kind of parses down, I guess, a little bit. But um, yeah, so I feel like a, a handful of them. So you're right, like staying there and maybe maybe planning that out could be better. Who knows? Especially if like you have been training for Kona, right? To switch gears in a world championship field and be like, now I have to bike X amount of watts harder and I haven't been training like that for the past, you know, three or four months. Like that's, it is a big switch to make for the the people racing pro. So um, all good things to keep in mind. And Emily, in terms of the venue, St. George has hosted the North American 70.3 championships for the past several years. And it's a popular course on the circuit. Everyone kind of likes going there. It has a lake swim that will be wetsuit legal, a hilly point-to-point bike course that finishes with a six-mile climb up Snow Canyon, followed by a long descent into transition, and then a two-loop run that is very hilly by Ironman standards. So are you excited to see a world championships held on a course like this? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think like Nice a couple years ago, the last world championship we had was hilly on the bike, and then the run was kind of hotter and flatter along the coast. And so I think having the hilly run like just adds to the challenge. And I think it'll be really exciting to see how that goes. Cause that run, I mean, Haley, you've been there, Alyssa, have you done St. George? No. Okay. Well I did it. I mean, it's a drag like that first three miles up that climb. And then you turn around and you come right back down and like, you have to go back up this time. I think that's really going to play into how the race you know, kind of goes and it's going to be a strength course. Like you're talking about people changing gears from Ironman training. I mean, that Ironman training might benefit them because you just have that durability and it's like a strength course. So I think you have to have a good mix of strength and speed. Um, I was looking at the weather and it looks like it's going to be like high nineties, low one hundreds all week. So the water temp was 72 
just I checked the other day. So there's an off chance that it's non-wetsuit for the pros because it's 71.5. No, it's wetsuit legal. 71.5 and below. Yeah, 71. Yeah. And then, oh. So it'll be right on the on the cusp there. We'll just have to see. The nights are longer, so um, it might end up being just below the cutoff. And Emily, since 2017, we've had separate race days for women and men at the 70.3 World Championships. But this year, both races are happening on Saturday. The pro men will start at 7 a.m., the pro women at 7.10. And then I think you pointed out the first age groupers will start in a rolling start starting at 7.25. So do you think this will change the race dynamics from what we've seen in the past years? So I totally went into the weeds on this last night, and I looked at the May race um, to see kind of like what the time gaps were like, as far as like how fast the pro women were getting to transition to T2 versus like the age group men, like the fastest age group men and the fastest age group men hit T2 in like two hours and 47 minutes. And the 15th place female pro hit T2 in 259. So that's, 12, so they would have caught up 12 minutes, but it's a 15 minute difference. So I don't think the age group men are going to have too much of an impact on the back of the women's race, which is great because you've seen those races like in Frankfurt where like you have those huge groups that just swallow up the pro females. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. And I also looked at the 10 minute gap between the pro males and the pro females and the slowest swim for the pro males in May was 30 minutes. The fastest one was you, Haley, at 23.51. So you would have been about four minutes behind the back of the male field. So there might be some male pros that get caught by some of the faster female um, cyclists, but I think it'll be limited. And I just hope that the referees kind of tell those guys to like leave their egos and like get out of the way and let these women race. Like, you're at the back, you're being caught by pro women, like, you know, lay off, like, but we'll see if that happens. But I think it's going to be isolated. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it won't have a huge impact. And letting the women race will be super important this year, because for the first time in Ironman history, this race has a prize purse that pays through 15th place. And you guys, this is like very big news. <laughs> so previously at, um, even at the world championships, the money stopped at 10th. Um, often it stops, stops at like sixth or eighth in other races, but always at world championships, it was stopping at 10th. So finally we're getting to 15th place. It's a $350,000 prize purse split equally between pro men and pro women. And first place takes home $50,000. Fifth place will win $10,000. 10th gets 6,500 and 15th place earns 3000. So Emily, what do you think about this new prize money structure? I didn't even know that until you guys emailed me because I hadn't looked at the prize list. So I was like, wow, they actually did it. They increased it to more than 10, which I think is great. Um, I mean, that means like everyone's just going to be racing harder. Like you finish 15th, like you're going to, you know, you'll at least get your trip paid for depending on where you came from. So it's like worth it to do it and get it done. So I think that makes it exciting. And, you know, hopefully this is just a harbinger for things to come and maybe they're getting pressure from seeing success, like from the PTO and the Collins cup and the media surrounding that. I mean, I already feel like Ironman up their game in terms of coverage of everything. Um, so, 
you know, by adding, like they even add that fighting chance series and everything where they're talking to the pros. So they're highlighting more of the stories. So I'm hoping that they'll see benefit from that. And then, you know, it'll keep getting better. And I'm hopeful this means maybe with the improved coverage, which is, you know, much better than we've seen in other years, that maybe we'll get to see some of that fighting that's going to happen for those places in 10th to 15th place. Because a lot of good stuff, I think, is going to be happening back there. And so it'll be, it'll, it would be great to see if they can get some cameras and kind of show some of that action. Yeah, especially with the tough course on the run. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of, um, I don't want to say blowups, but pain, especially like with the downhill running, you know, I mean, that just kills your quads. So, um, and then you have to go back up and come back down. So it'll be interesting. It's like, I was thinking of doing like Lynch Hill twice in wildflower and like, Oh, that would be painful. So it'll be, it'll be good to watch. Right. Cause as you mentioned, I've raced in St. George and you have too, but in the regular 70.3, you don't do this downhill that they added. And it is, I've seen it though, and it is very steep. It is very steep. And so, you know, you have this long, gradual, like three mile uphill and then this incredibly steep downhill. And then you do it again. Your quads are going to be, are quite tired. I imagine. Yeah. I'm hoping that like, you know, these women and men have thought about that and have added some downhill running to their regimen. I mean, cause it, it's an art, it's a skill and you have to be prepared for it. I mean, you know, Alyssa runs trails and I'm sure you've done some stuff up in Montana, Haley, but like, you know, sometimes like you feel it more from the downhills than you do the uphills. Yeah. So it's- it'll be interesting to see who prepared for that. It'll be so fun to watch. And as, as we're talking, there are 46 pro women on the start list and we are pre-recording this interview, but one name that is very excited to see on the list is American Taylor Nib. And so I actually did reach out to Taylor to see if she would confirm that she'd be starting the race. And she said, yes. And so she said, she's going to be smart about it. But like, as of, as of this recording, she said, yes, she does plan to race. Um, what do you think about Taylor? in this world championship 70.3 race. I mean, I think it's so great. I mean, she's just someone like, you're like, Oh no, no way. Like she's going to, you know, on a road bike and shammer in, like that's not going to work. And then like, she like bikes only seven minutes slower than the fastest guys. I mean, like it's insane. So, and I think with a hilly course, um, yeah, I mean the other two 70.3 she's done have been flatter courses. I'm sure she's skilled on the Hills. I mean, in Edmonton, that's where she drops people in that first loop on the bike. So she's just a good cyclist. So, and she doesn't seem to have any fear and feel the pressure. So I hope she kind of keeps that, just go out and race naivete and doesn't get caught up in like having to, you know, have expectations for what she's going to do. Like she just goes out and does it and, and just sees what happens instead of like thinking about, Oh, I got to win. Cause people think I'm going to win or something like that. I, I just hope she just races. Um, cause that seems to be what she does best. And she, you know, she doesn't seem to really have a, a weakness, like for a, a young woman, like her run is strong. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, you know, she's kind of the future right now. I feel like. Yeah, and I think major kudos to the team that's keeping Taylor going through the season and got her through the pandemic year, ready to to hit it hard this year. I think that was like a, a hard thing to do too. So, um, Emily, moving to the swim start in St. George, it's actually a pretty narrow area, I guess. Haley, maybe you can, is it like a, a small like 
It's yeah, kind of like, date? um, well, it's <laughs> between like a pier and like a rock formation. So there is not, it's not very wide for 46 people. It is, it's, it's the narrowest, one of the narrowest starts I've ever done. And I don't remember how many women we had on the start in May. I know it wasn't 46. And I was like, Oh goodness, this is going to be, this is going to be tight for the world championships. Okay. Oh man. Yeah. That'll be good for an ITU person who's used to contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we have, I guess the, um, you know, athletes get to pick their starting positions based on the rankings. So Haley, are, do they introduce based on rankings and then yes, you, they can go and like pick their spots? Yeah. Basically the first 10 people usually get to walk out and then they pick their spot. And I mean, it'll be like 10 people across. I think that's like about what you could get. And then everyone else kind of files in behind. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. And so looking at some of the super swimmers versus their rankings, we have Lucy Charles Barkley ranked fifth. Um, another British swimmer who's very strong in the water, Lucy Hall is ranked 20th. And then Taylor starts this ranked, uh, ranked 37th. So I don't know, Emily, do you think we can see Taylor find the feet of those faster swimmers? Is there a chance we would see a bottleneck that allows someone like Lucy Charles Barkley to open up a gap? Like, is this something, do we need to be calling Taylor and be like, make sure you think through the swim start? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I'm hopeful that her, I mean, I feel like she's done ITU. So she's kind of like used to like finding feet and being experienced with that. Um, it'll be, di you know, I was thinking about Collins cup, like, those races were so different because it was only three people. So it was easy to find feet or the feet were gone type thing. This will be different. And like, if you get caught behind the wrong person and then a gap opens up to the feet that you want to be on, like you might either have to put in a really hard effort or you're screwed. Um, so I feel like everybody, if you know, Lucy Charles lines up, say on the far left, and then it's 10 across for those 10 people. I feel like everybody's going to be like running in to try to get right behind Lucy Charles um, to try to get on some feet. Well, maybe the confident swimmers, like not everybody, I wouldn't try to line up behind Lucy Charles. But um, so I think people are going to be a little bit fighting. And maybe that's good for Taylor, because she's used to that ITU style, like contact, like some people are going to shy away from that and it might be a tough start. And we've also seen in St. George, like people have like breathing problems because the water's cold and there's like, I've heard people say there's pollen in the air there. I don't know. Maybe that's just in the spring. So, and it's a, at a little bit of altitude, you know, it's like 3,000, 3,500 feet. So if people aren't used to that, your breathing is going to be a little different. So, um, I think it'll be a challenging start and, you know, someone like Lucy Charles, I mean, we saw her in that ITU race in Leeds, like she knows how to string it out. So I'm sure she's going to be going for it. Um, and if you're not there, like you're probably going to get not stuck, but you might just be in the second pack. Like, you know, at, at Lucy Hall and Lucy Charles could definitely kind of get away and make a gap maybe. Um, okay. So another big question mark with this race is Switzerland's Daniela Reef. Okay. She is a five-time 70.3 world champion. She's won this race the last three times it was contested. We saw Taylor beat Daniela by a mind-blowing 16 minutes at the slightly shorter distance Collins Cup race three weeks ago. Daniela said she wasn't feeling well before that race, but it does seem she's able to recover. She won Ironman Switzerland with a very fast time just one week after that, just two weeks from right now from this race. Um, 
I reached out to Daniela because, um, Emily, you had pointed out that she did an interview, a fight, the fighting chance interview ahead of Ironman Switzerland saying she wanted to finish her season, um, possibly with that Ironman. We are not sure she's on the start list. I reached out to her. I haven't heard back whether or not she plans to race in St. George. Hopefully by the time this airs, that information is public, but you know, what do you think Assuming she does race, um, or if you want to speculate, do you think her race in Slovakia showed some vulnerability or was that just like a random bad day? It, it can happen even to Daniela Reef. Yeah. I mean, we saw it happen to her what, with Kona in 2019. She kind of had that stomach bug and finished 12th or whatever and fought to the finish. So we've seen that happen. I mean, she is human and people do get sick. Um, so, I mean, it just wasn't her you know, we know she's capable more than she did at the Collins Cup and she proved as much the next week in Switzerland. Um, I'm just interested to see like whether she makes the trip. I mean, because getting from Europe to the United States in COVID times is a little bit harder. You got to have a lot of documentation. Um, so whether she's doing that or not, I mean, if she's on the start list, she's a threat. I mean, she won by five minutes in May and biked like a crazy 214 on the course. So, um, I mean, if she's there, she'll be a threat. Um, the question is, will she be there? And she's not afraid to come out of the swim. I think she, if she is there, she'll come out of the swim a little bit behind. Um, but we've seen her bike through. And I feel like that kind of course is made for her because of the inclines and stuff. She can really put down some power. Um, so I would expect her to be near the front for sure. And we mentioned Lucy Charles Barkley as a super swimmer, but her bike and run are also incredibly strong. Lucy has been a runner-up in Kona three times and was also the runner-up at this distance in 2018. So could this be the race that finally gets Lucy to the top of an Ironman-branded World Championships podium? What do you think? I, I kind of feel like it might be. Like, I feel like she's taking it pretty seriously. Like, she's up in Cedar City, Utah, training at altitude. She's working with Dan Lorang now, who's Jan's coach and Annie Haug's coach. Um, she doesn't have Ironman training in her legs this year, which has been different from other years. Like she was second in South Africa and fifth in Nice, but she was preparing for, for Ironman worlds. And like, that was always her big goal. And I feel like after doing that ITU race in Leeds, like she's kind of been doing some shorter stuff and she's strong, but fast at the same time. And I feel like for this course, you need that, you need that strength. Um, but the speed will definitely help. And I feel like once she's on the front of a race, man, she's just hard to get off of it. And like, we didn't see her matched up against Taylor, um, in the Collins cup. Like, so how would have that played out? And she also said she was sick and she wasn't able to eat during the race or something. So, um, I mean, she was three minutes slower or whatever than Taylor on the course, but I mean, who knows if they were matched up, like she just seems like a fighter when she gets on the course. So she doesn't let first go easily. I guess. And then Holly Lawrence, she won the 70.3 worlds in 2016. She was second to Daniela in Nice in 2019. She's raced this course in St. George many times. She's won the North American championship here twice. Do you think her specific course knowledge could give her an edge on Saturday? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and, and Holly's another one who kind of fight to the death. Like she doesn't give up. Um, I think the races aren't playing out quite the way that they used to with her. Like I think other people, especially with the Lucy's showing up um, on the swim, like Holly's used to kind of having that lead out of the swim and that hasn't been the case. So 
not that she gets stuck in a group, but she might be cycling with some other women. So that kind of plays in the, to the dynamics of things. Um, I mean, she's still super strong. I mean, her and Ellie kind of until she fell in the Collins cup, I mean, they were going head to head and uh, you know, Holly's always up there. It's just whether she has that, that great day, but she's capable of it for sure. And there's another British athlete, Emma Pallant Brown, who seems to be on fire right now. This season, Emma has won races at Florida 70.3, Boulder 70.3, Escape from Alcatraz. She was second to Daniela in St. George in May, and she had the third fastest women's time at the Collins Cup. Only Taylor and Lucy were faster. So Emma has been on the 70.3 World's Podium before. She finished second in 2017. Do you think we could see her return to the podium this year? Yeah, she seems to be in really good form and a good place. Like I think she's working with Tim Don now coaching wise. She's not kind of overtraining herself um, and ending up like super fit, but not that, you know, just kind of tired. I feel like she's super fit and, and sharp. And I think with a run that she has like, and that hilly course um, that could play into her hand. And I mean, she went like 359 in Boulder. I mean, that's just so fast. <laughs> So you can never count someone out like that. And um, I mean, she got third in May on the course, um, having a great run. So I expect to see her up there. It's kind of like if you see a British gal on the on the start line, like you never count out the British gals. They're just all so strong. So I would definitely see her kind of up near the front. And we mentioned Taylor Nib earlier, but since we are a North America-based podcast, we want to touch on a few other North American women. Canadian Paula Finley showed she's capable of of a big race. You know, when she had that commanding win at last year's PTO Championships in Daytona, we recently talked to Tamara Jewett, another Canadian who won Timberman with a one fourteen half marathon just a few weeks ago. And then and then we had the American women, Sky Monch, Chelsea Sidero, Jocelyn McCauley, Jackie Herring. They all showed they were in good form. They had strong performances and really exceeded expectations at the Collins Cup. So do you think we could see a strong showing from the North American contingent competing on what is a quote unquote home course? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if Chelsea's done St. George before. Um, I definitely see her as someone like she's kind of like on the uptick coming off of having her baby in, I think, February. So I feel like she's got the one, the she's the person that could have the most improvement, like race over race. Like we saw her in Boulder and then we saw her like a few weeks later in Collins Cup and she'd make great strides then. Um, I know she's training at altitude right now in Park City. So then I feel like she's going to be another level up and she's another one that has a great run like Emma Pallant Brown. So I would look out for her. Um, Paula Finley's always strong swim bike. Um, she has said that her ankle was kind of giving her some problems after the Collins cup. So we'll see how that goes, especially like we talked about with the downhill, that'll be a lot of pounding on that ankle. So um just wondering how that will go for her. Um, I listened to the interview with Tamara Jewett yesterday and like whenever you run a 114, like you can't be, um, I mean, you might not, I don't know if she'll have the real estate to get to like first place, but she definitely should be able to move way up. And if you can run a 114 and then you get your swimming bike, like even better as a former track athlete, she's got improvements to make there. I'm sure like she's someone for the future for sure. Um, who else did you mention? Remind me. Oh, Jackie Herring. Uh, okay. yes. Yeah, yeah. She ran faster than Annie Haug who, who ran a two forty three in Roth. 
um, Jackie Herring outran her in Shamarin, so and had a great race. I feel like she's kind of on the up and up, and I think she had a more disappointing race in St. George in May, so I think she wants a little redemption. Um, but yeah, I mean, the North American women, like you have Jocelyn McCauley. I mean, there's just a lot of them. So, and Sky, the one thing was Sky coming off of her quarantine. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing. Like, I don't think they were allowed to swim, right? Like, or run. No, they were stuck in the room. They could, they had trainers. So, if anyone isn't following, Sky Monch uh, did test positive for COVID before leaving Shamarin, and that she did have to stay for an extra week in quarantine at the hotel. I think they put them in a, a suite, and she was. I, I've messaged with her a little bit, and it sounded like it was kind of it was a bummer, but a best case scenario because it is a nice hotel, plenty of food. They had a balcony, and they had Zwift train, or you know, they had Wahoos with Zwift, so she was able to ride the bike, but no swimming, and I mean, no running except for maybe around the down the hallway. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we'll see how she is coming off that quarantine. I mean, either way, she's strong. So I would, and she's a runner. So I would expect her to be able to come through on that. She was fifth in May. So, and it's like a home race for her. And there's always a comfort in that, like just an easy four hour drive from Salt Lake City. So, um, I, you know, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit, I feel like. And we also want to touch on the people who we won't be seeing racing in St. George. We have Annie Haug, who just ran that incredible 243 marathon split at Challenge Roth. She won't be making the trip. Tokyo Olympic gold medalist Flora Duffy declined her slot. The always consistent competitors like Radka Kalfelt, she won't be making the trip from Australia due to the pandemic. And other strong athletes like Amelia Watkinson, Sophie Chase are out due to injury. So what's the disappointment level? Do we feel like there's, you know, kind of a, a few question marks because we won't be seeing those women in the mix on Saturday? I mean, for sure. But I feel like it's always like that with the world championships. Like you always lose a few people to sickness, a few people to injury, a few people to I'm training for Kona or whatever. So you just race on the day and like, this list is so strong. Like, I, you know, I mean, you'd love to see everyone show up, but like, I feel like that never even happens, even sometimes for the Olympic games, like there's always someone missing. So I don't know, just got to love what you got. And we got a pretty good list. So, I mean, I'd love to see it like Annie Haug and stuff, but I mean, she just, I think she decided to do Roth because Kona was the goal. And Oh, I just, I mean, it's probably so, important for her to have a win like that in Germany, I think probably financially for her. So I, I get it for sure. And when you run a 243, I mean, what, she was like only three minutes or something slower than Patrick Lang on the run. That's just insane. Insane's a good word. I am. I mean, that's, yeah, it was so fast, but it's, I watching her race and or Shamarin, I know that like, you know, she, she really turned it on at the end of that run. Like maybe that, I don't know what was going on exactly throughout the whole race, but I saw her in the final kilometers and it was just like, you know, that feeling when you get to watch someone who's really good at running run and it's just like, wow, that's beautiful. So, um, congrats to her on her race in Roth. <laughs> it's like poetry in motion, you know, you don't <laughs> see that all the time. No, it's so cool. But okay, Emily, we want to hear your picks for the women's pro podium. So we'll do first, second, third, and then a dark mare. So this is someone that you think might be flying under the radar, but is ready to have a great race. Are you ready? Are you ready to give us your picks? Yes. 
<laughs> I have so much trouble with these because I feel like I'm being predictable and like something unpredictable always happens. But yes. Okay. I'm going to go with Lucy Charles for the win. Um, I'm going to go with Emma Pallant Brown and then Taylor Nib. And my dark mare, we can I have like four dark mares? <laughs> um, I'm going to go. I'm going to, just because we haven't talked about her, I'm going to go with Ellie Salthouse. Um, I think she's ready to have a good one. She, you know, left Australia to do some races. Um, she's been training in Boulder. And I think, you know, she, Nice did not go well a couple of years ago. I think she's ready for some redemption. I just hope she doesn't try too hard because when you try too hard, that's when you have problems. All right. Um, Alyssa, do you want to go next or am I going? Sure. Okay. I'll go next. Okay. So I have Taylor Nib for the win. I like put her down and then took her away probably like three times debating, <laughs> but I slept on it and I was like, I'm going with Taylor team USA all the way um, for the win. Holly Lawrence, I have second and Lucy Charles Barkley in third. Um, and I was doing this under the presumption. I, I just feel like Daniela might not be racing, um, might not be making the trip. So um, that kind of made the picking a little bit easier. And my dark mare, uh, Tamara Jewett, I think she showed like a, she, when we talked to her, she talked about how she enjoys climbing on the bike and feels like that suits her. And that definitely showed at Timberman. Um, and that run, man, like, I just feel like she could fly on a course that has hills even still. So um, I'm excited to see. I hope I hope she can put herself into the mix. All right. And Alyssa, we may be on similar wavelengths here. I did write them down. So this happened last time too. And then it was, what was it? Oh, for Tulsa. You and I had like very similar ones. And then um, Jessica Jones had totally different and Jessica was right. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, I picked Taylor Nib for the win. Um Again, Team USA, and also just seeing her at Collins Cup and kind of hanging out with her. I'm like, I think this is her course, and I'm just and the like, like Emily talked about, like the lack of of pressure on her. I think there is there's some value in that. But I picked Lucy Charles Barkley for second. Um, I feel like a little pain in my heart for her on another second place, but this is all speculation anyway. And then I went with Holly Lawrence for third. Um, again, I think she knows this course and I think she left Shamarin with some, you know, some fire in her belly after what was be almost a belly flop on the bike. Um, hopefully, she, you know, I think she'll be ready to kind of unleash a little bit more on this course. And then my dark mare. Okay. I always criticize people for their dark mare picks and like not actually being dark mares. And I may have trend trended into that territory myself, but I'm going with Jackie Herring. I do think even though Jackie has made a name for herself, for some reason, I feel like on the world stage she's still a little bit under the radar but again as emily pointed out her run in shamarin being even faster than annie haugs showed she has it in her and so i'm excited to see what she can do on this course yeah i feel like jackie she was like she's been 13th at the last two you know world championships and i i don't think she likes that so that's a good one yeah We'll see, but um, I know we'll have to figure out bragging rights for whoever's uh, closest, but I know, I think <laughs> um, it is it is fun and it is one of those things where I feel the same way where I'm like, this is so predictable and it never happens how you predict, but I was similar to both of you. I is speculating that Daniela will not be there, but if she shows up, she might blow up all our predictions. <laughs> That's fine. It's sport. They're supposed to. 
And Emily, so the 70.3 World Championships are happening this Saturday, everyone, September 18th. The pro women start at 7.10 a.m. Mountain Time, and the coverage should be streamed live on the Ironman Now Facebook page. Emily, will you be watching? Absolutely. I might have to do a trainer ride and watch some of it for sure. Yep. Maybe, maybe we can ride together on Zwift. Oh, yeah. Let's do a meetup. Yeah. <laughs> Oh goodness. I, um, I would love to do that, but I might need to be on like a text thread or something. Cause I tried to do Zwift meetup in Shamarin and I like failed even with like people sitting next to me, like Matt Hansen's like, you only have one minute to get in. And I was like, <laughs> it was too much pressure and I couldn't do it. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I need, I'm like on, I need like, I don't know, like Zwift for beginners, but, um, you two can let me know how it goes. I'll definitely be watching as well, but Emily, thank you so much. I, you have me so excited for this race and I can't wait to watch and, um, see how everything plays out. Thank you again for all of your expert insight. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. It's so great to like get back on a podcast and like chat triathlon. I'm such a triathlon nerd and like, it just feels like the world is like spinning again, I guess, kind of. So it's nice to be back. Thank you so much. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/ironwomen and get started. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. So Haley, one thing we didn't discuss, I know you had reached out to Taylor to confirm she was planning to race next weekend. And did you also slide in a little question to confirm that she's still planning on riding her road bike? Because that was like a big topic of discussion around the Collins Cup. I didn't. I didn't ask that. I assume she is. It's only been a couple of weeks since the Collins Cup. And if anything, he showed that she knew what she was doing riding that road bike at the Collins Cup. And so... Uh, and that was on a very flat course and she was taking a lot of heat for that. And then she biked faster than every single other person out there. So maybe what we need is like, we're all going to be sh start showing up on road bikes with aero bars and a disc wheel, because maybe that is like the perfect combination. And we just have been like fooling ourselves with these long aero bars on our time trial bikes. But I imagine in St. George with a course that hilly, the road bike with aero bars is going to be the ideal setup, especially for an athlete like Taylor, who knows that fits her well. And I mean, it's not like she's riding, you know, a Huffy that she just picked up off the street. It's a nice road bike. So I think she's going to be just fine. And I'm very confident in my pick. And I mean, it's been a while since an American woman has won the 70.3 world championship. I think we have to go back to like Joanna Zeiger, um, you know, and like maybe like 
late 2000s. And so it's, you know, it's just kind of cool to to have her out there in the mix. And also she's such a wild card, right? So it's like, again, no pressure. We'll just see how she does. So, um, and a, a lot of those other women, I mean, Team USA, I think we would, <laughs> using the Collins Cup again as like a little barometer, went in a little underrated and really overperformed. So, and if anyone watched, this, watched the Collins Cup, a lot of those races did not happen how we anyone expected. So so it's like that's a fun thing of our sport too, right? It is hard no matter who you are and there's a lot of moving pieces and you have to problem solve and it's it's hard to predict. But um but hopefully, you know, since you and I had such similar predictions, maybe we'll be right and we'll give each other a little high five long distance prize. <laughs> I know I'm really excited to see how it all unfolds. Um, I definitely encourage everyone to watch the coverage. If you're watching, you have questions, send us your questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to uh, answer any questions you might have or kind of thoughts and stuff about the race. Just send those into the mailbag and we can go through them all after the race in the next episode. And that would be, that'd be a fun thing to do. So always feel free to do that as well. And in the meantime, Haley, I... I wish you the best picking up your new prize possession, which all of ours, when we get new bikes, that's what they, they become. So um, good luck with that. And I, I hope it all goes smoothly. I hope you um, can take some nice pics and tell us more about it all in the next week. Thanks, Alyssa. And you have fun canoeing. Good luck. I hope those YouTube videos pay off. I will talk to you next week. Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.